Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. Welcome this week to Generation Digital Workforce. This is Zena coming at you from Austin, Texas. I'm excited this week to welcome two partners from Keymark, Sam Witten and Chris Ellenberg. Welcome, gentlemen. Can you take a moment to tell us a little about yourselves? Sure. Why don't you go ahead, Sam? Okay. Hey, Zena. How are you? Uh, this is Sam Witten. I am the Director of Sales for RPA for Keymark. Uh, I joined Keymark back in March after three and a half years at Blue Prism. So uh, I'm familiar with that. And Zena, it's great to talk to you again. Welcome, Sam. Hi, Chris. Hi, Zena. Uh, my name is Chris Ellenberg. I'm the RPA Services Manager on the professional services side of here at Keymark. I've been with Keymark several years now and, and managing our RPA projects. And I'm really excited about robotic process automation. My career has kind of been based on technology for many decades at this point, so really excited about Blue Prism in general. That's but robotic process automation is uh, it's I love to geek out on it. It's uh, it, it can be definitely a really fun topic to to just have with someone on a plane and open their minds to to what a digital workforce can do for them. So I, we talk a lot about RPA on this program, though, and Blue Prism to an extent as well. Chris, why don't you tell us about Keymark and, and what Keymark does? Keymark, we're a leading intelligent automation provider. We deliver capture, workflow, case, case management, excuse me, and most recently really started maturing out our robotic process automation solutions for various verticals between business and uh, government organizations. So tell us, how does the uh, world of document management or capture, another area you mentioned, intersect with the digital world that the digital workers live in? Well, it's kind of interesting. When you consider RPA, it either fits in at the beginning, the middle, or the end of those processes. Either you have to get the data or the information, whatever you have at hand, ready to be processed to go through that those channels or during that channel processing, it has to be manipulated in a particular way to go to the next step. Or at the end, it has to be formatted in such a way that uh, it's delivered appropriately, uh, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. When I try to describe to somebody who's not not in the field, when I'm, you know, I'm an RPA services manager, what robotic services automation is, they think instantly that I'm working at a manufacturing plant with literal physical robots I'm like, well, you know, you're not too far off. It's kind of an assembly line when it comes down to it that we're managing a software robot somewhere within the process to accomplish a task. Yeah, it is quite fascinating when you uh, talk to people who are not experienced with it um, and the light bulbs come on. It's really this idea of being able to go from an, an old analog world to a new digital world, right? And one of the things we talk about on this program are the trends that are driving that, that transformation to needing a digital uh, colleague. What is driving that? So what trends have you seen in the world of document management as an example, you know, that has 
really driven this need for digital assets over your traditional analog assets of the past? I would say for us, some trends that I'm noticing personally, like with workflow and case management, that's one component of it. But just again, when you get to the end of the process, it may have a third-party system that we're not integrated with, like a CRM or an ERP that doesn't have, for instance, like an API that we could integrate with with those services. And that's a good solution to have an RPA product to come in to be that what we're using internally, we're calling synthetic APIs to do that data translation from our partner on base uh, or Highland that uses the tool on base to use either the workflow or case management to translate that data into another application for the customer. Yeah, and Zeno, uh, from from the Keymark perspective, you know, the way it all started with capture and workflow, and then going into case management and forms automation, and then even getting into file sharing, robotic process automation was really the next step, as Chris talks about, you know, towards once you have all of that information stored and it's in in areas that can be used. RPA really makes it easy, easy to connect to those systems and to work around the, the systems that you don't have contact to. So, you know, automation in general in the industry, in any industry, comes out to be better off with, uh, with the RPA process and Blue Prism. Yeah, and to go into other trends that I'm seeing, I really cut my teeth in my early career in the financial industry with information security, and I'm finding it interesting, the amount of information and data that I'm seeing out there uh, from information security publications talking about RPA at this point. It seems to be everywhere, the mention of RPA, that is. Yeah, yeah really So does. what's the, I think it's interesting, you know, you've mentioned both intelligent automation and RPA. What's the difference? Well, yeah, um, in, in the RPA world, you're talking about a, a digital worker, and um, that digital worker can can do the work of a human through through a keyboard and, and make that work happen. Now things are st stepping outside of that. To, now we're talking about artificial intelligence. Maybe it's an OCR product, or maybe it's a machine learning or a chatbot. Something along the li those lines that take take RPA to that next step. And make and make it even more dynamic throughout the business. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, Sam. It's really the aspect of bringing in some of the cognitive artificial intelligences and in, into your automation to help that workflow better along. Great. So, is that where Blue Prism or our digital workforce, if you will, is assisting your customers in their on-base deployments? Well, I would say that Blue Prism in general has a better kind of ear to the, the rails than the other products that we've seen out there, being able to utilize those artificial intelligences that are available, for instance, uh, Microsoft Cognitive or uh, Google's Vision or the IBM Watson, just because you have the digital exchange, which makes it so much easier to connect to those products to provide solutions for our customers if they uh, require yeah. those type of solutions. Yeah, and the digital exchange from, from Blue Prism really makes it very easy for our customers to, to think outside of the box and think of the, the art of the possible, if you will, because it gives them the list of things that they can use, and it makes it very easy for them to, to then generate those types of uh, functionalities within their processes because it's just a drag and drop at that point through the digital exchange. Right. 
So can you give us an example of, let's say for workflow, how a digital worker assists or augments a, a human's tasks in a workflow scenario? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we had a customer or a potential customer approaching us about a process that they had within OnBase that would ingest documents, but at a certain point within OnBase, they needed the barcodes read in a very particular way that couldn't be handled by OnBase uh, in their setup. So we developed a way of reading those barcodes within Blue Prism using some of the uh, Blue Prism tools that's provided to be able to provide uh, case numbers back to the customer that they could allow the workflow to continue ongoing uh, through the process. And what uh, what skills or what uh, what what was the digital worker using to read those those barcodes? Well, it's kind of one of those rare instances. Blue Prism, ninety nine percent of the cases, you don't have to develop anything uh, in regards to using like C sharp or any other development languages. But this was one of those uh, rare use cases where we tried to find a good digital exchange item or a good uh, process within Blue Prism that already existed to be able to read these, and it just didn't exist. But we have the talent that we can hit a wall like that, but be able to code our way out of that bag, if that makes sense. So we were able to utilize some existing libraries and create a barcode reader within Blue Prism <laughs> to read out uh, those barcodes that were there. And that's another thing, Xena, uh, that uh, that helps with uh, from from a TMARC perspective. Chris's team is all certified within Blue Prism. They're all uh, um, masters at what they do. And so when we come up against an issue like that, we usually have somebody on staff that can figure out the the issue and and work through that workaround. Yeah, exactly. We have a very talented staff with process analysts that have. You know, years to decades worth of experience, uh, coders on staff, as well as um, a several, several, several Blue Prism certified developers, solution designers, and professional developers. So once the um, digital worker is trained and, and can read the barcodes, how much maintenance is needed to, to, you know, maintain that solution moving forward? You know, you mentioned there was a lot of skills that might be required to build that uh, that skill uh, initially. Is there a lot of then um, high skill required to maintain solutions like that? No, um, definitely just, you know, speaking in general about Blue Prism, once you kind of have it set, it's set for good. So, so long as the process doesn't change drastically, that was already built and could have been delivered to the customer as a solution for a good integration with OnBase and something we developed internally, uh, which is probably something we're looking at for the digital exchange inclusion. And the other thing about that, uh, Zena, is as you know, once once that's built, it's reusable. So right. if we run across another customer who's looking to do very similar things uh, with barcodes, we already have that built now, and we're uh, we can move forward. That's amazing. What kind of value outcomes um, are solutions like this delivering for your customers? Well, when you talk about value uh, for the customer, there's a number of different areas. I mean, you've got time saved, you've got ROI, you've got uh, you know dollars back to back to the company. So we're looking at all three of those when we start to work some of these uh, processes out. 
That's the great thing about being able to use the, dig, uh, the digital exchange and the digital workers is the fact that, you know, from a, from a savings perspective, there's a number of different ways that that ROI can work out. As I said, whether it be time back to the customer or, or cash back to the customer, uh, it depends on what they want. And usually it works out to be exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, and to add on to what Sam said there is that there are definitely those quantitative factors of hours back to the customer and ROI, and and those speak a lot to executive upper management. But there's also kind of the qualitative as well that helps drive um, your everyday worker. Just not having to deal with the repetitiveness of a task can improve their quality of life and allow them to focus on uh, more meaningful things. Yeah, I agree 100% um, with that point, Chris. Um, do, do you have any clever ways of measuring impacts like that? Yeah, we developed a toolkit internally that we use during process analyst, um, or excuse me, during process discovery, where we try to gain some information about a process that we're going to be dealing with. And we've written it in such a way that it can capture kind of that quantitative ROI to include what the return would be as well as the savings on hours, but also what it would look like in reducing the complexity and making the process more ready and the feasibility to help the customer understand not only are you getting these hours back, you're also kind of eliminating these steps, you know, one through 10 or 100 or what have you uh, in this FTE full-time employees day that allows them to free up their time for doing other tasks. It's interesting you mentioned that it's part of your process discovery process. <laughs> that sounded <Right>. funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so if I can, Chris, I know your expertise is around RPA service, you know, uh, deployment. And I think that's an interesting topic uh, for our listeners. I I'm curious, you know, can you dig in a little bit more around discovery and, and your process discovery? And when a customer comes to you, you know, having, you know, automation, having OCR, having workflow, having case management, having all of these different tools at your disposal, how do you know what you should do first? Yeah, really, we have kind of a, I think from a 20,000-foot view, a two-step approach. Really, Sam and his team, Brian Lay, who's not on the call today, uh, they take the the front line, which is, you know, first meeting with the customer, finding out what the process is that they would like for us to automate. And that's typically how these conversations go, is that the customer has their process, they like automated, and it's just kind of putting a a little bit of a speed bump in there for reality check, like, yeah, you want to automate this process, but is this the best process for the most return on value or investment and hours? Or can we have kind of a deeper conversation about what RPA is so we can help you define what a good process to automate would look like for you? And we've seen kind of a range. People can come from not knowing much about RPA, but having read it in a magazine. So they kind of think they know what a good RPA process is to uh, someone that is very intimate with the product and, and already has a very well-documented, very vetted out process. Uh, then once Sam and Brian does more or less a feasibility assessment, then it gets handed over to my team and myself to have another look at it and then start doing a deeper process analyst or process 
not sure of the word I'm looking for, something a little bit more deeper than discovery to go through and, and define each and every step and every decision path that we're looking at here with the process. I feel like I said process about 57 times there. <laughs> Sometimes you can't get away from it, can you? That's right. Do you, ever, do you ever find that customers come to you and say, I need workflow or I need, you know, X. And really when you dig in, maybe question this is the same for you and you're doing your, you know, discoveries with them that you realize actually that's not what they need at all. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we have come across uh, quite a few customers that uh, think they have an idea of what they want to do um, or, you know, the workflow that they've got that they, they think they can carry forward. Two things come out of that sometimes, uh, you know, uh, the first is we we realized that a digital worker would work well in that process and that, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it would save them time and money. The second thing we realize is uh, their process may be uh, completely off base for automation. And so, like, like Chris was saying, Brian and I try to weed those out in the beginning. Some people don't realize, some people don't even understand what RPA is. They, they've just heard the buzzword, as Chris was talking about, it's the new, the new shiny object, and they just think they need it, not really knowing what it, what it entails and how it all works. You know, you can't make an automation out of somebody's decision-making process when it comes down to a human having to make that decision of not enough information. So, you know, trying to explain that to the customer and make sure the customer understands what RPA is and how, how automation is going to work becomes our first task. And uh, a lot of times we can find things that, uh, that they're not even thinking of to help them out in that regards. And those usually turn out to be some of the best processes that we have. Yeah, and to add on to that, I know Keymark as a whole, our CEO, Jim Warner, really pushes for us to be the trusted advisor in any of our relationships with our customers. And we try to do that. We take that to heart, definitely in the RPA department. So we've had had customers come to us where they've already had the tools to perform what they were looking to do that didn't involve RPA. It involved more of an on-base um, pipeline setup. And we've we've walked them through that and got them to the appropriate people internally to help them along their path to accomplishing what you know they originally came to us for. We just want to make sure that we have a happy customer at the end of the day regardless. Absolutely. Uh, happy customers um, is, is what we all go for. Well, at least as as vice president of customer experience, it certainly is my uh, my total goal in life and has been for many, many years in my career. So I appreciate that wholeheartedly. Sam, something that you you said there was interesting to me, and you said we can't automate a process that's based on a human's decision making capacity. Is that possibly a process where uh, machine learning or artificial intelligence could play a part in maybe a roadmap in evolving to a, a digital worker handling some of those types of processes, or is that just completely out of the question? No, some of it absolutely could be handled through through AI. Um, but you know, if you get to a situation uh, where you know you've got to have either uh, an approval by uh, a human or a decision needs to be made uh, based on 
gut feeling, if you will, uh, in the process. A digital worker, even AI, is not going to really pull that together for you. That nowadays comes fewer and fewer um, as it did back in, you know, two, three years ago. Nowadays, uh, businesses are understanding that, that automation needs to be there, and so therefore their processes need to be a step-by-step, end-to-end um flow so that they can make sure that uh, that those automations can be there. We can, of course, work with uh, humans in the loop so that if uh, um, there is a decision that needs to be made like that, and the digital worker can then hand it off to the human, and the human can make that decision and hand it back to the digital worker and move on. And so there's a number of ways now that, that uh, all of these processes can be uh, achieved um, in a number of different ways. Yeah, it's really interesting whenever you start seeing kind of what Sam was talking about with subjective thought that the artificial intelligence is kind of where they succeed and fail at. Like if you have an image that has a picture of a waterfall, they may do very well in saying, yes, this is a, an image of a waterfall. But if you ask it, is this a picture of a pretty waterfall or a beautiful waterfall or some along those lines where it's even more subjective, kind of that next level of a feeling, that's where they really start breaking down. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Subjective was the word I was looking for, and I was scrambling. Yeah. Couldn't find it. <laughs> Thank you. No worries. <laughs> yes. Does a digital worker have a notion of beautiful? That is a very interesting question. Yeah. Well, and, it, it know, would have to be taught what... Sure. And, and it could actually be taught that something was beautiful that, in fact, a human didn't find beautiful because you're teaching that digital worker what you want to teach it, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. And there's a lot of situations now where we run up to run up against, uh, let's say, CAPTCHA, which falls into line with what Chris is talking about with, with logging on to some uh, websites and things along those lines, you know, uh, choose the boxes that... Uh, have the bus in them, or choose the boxes with a storefront. There are ways yes, to know on those quite a bit, actually. And I'm a human. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, and and so and, and I, I heard a comedian talking about it the other day. He said, you know, I, I have to now prove out that I'm not a robot. And sometimes I choose the pictures, and they tell me no, I was wrong. You must be a robot. <laughs> and so I'm I going, well, how does that work? You know, so but there are ways to work around that now with Capture. There's some there, there's some very intelligent people that are out there working through those things uh, to where the digital worker can uh, through AI can recognize some of those things. So it's still in the infant sa- stages but I, I see it coming right down the road. It's just so incredible to see the, the, the move that this market's had just in the last three years that I've been part of it. Chris, how long have you been uh, part of this uh, RPA world? Goodness. I think uh, business process improvement for most of my career, RPA, as far as a buzzword, has been fairly recent for me over the stretch of my career. But Apparently, I've been doing some sort of form of automation or RPA in general. I just didn't know it by that term, whether it be, you know, scripting out something in PowerShell or Python to accomplish some task for an operations department that they had to do repetitively and you know, try to save them some hours. So it's, I think we're all finding that we're all doing it in some form or fashion, but really Blue Prism has started 
solidifying what it is and like, hey, you know, we all didn't realize we were doing this together, but we now we have a product that makes it easier and allows for a quick turnaround on being able to do this rather than trying to hire a coder to be brought in to uh, spin something up either in C or Python or what have you to accomplish the task. Yeah, you mentioned earlier reusability um, yeah. and, and that being being quite powerful. Yeah, my um, my coding experience is a little rusty, but uh, definitely been picking it up uh, back again. The um, interesting thing about Blue Prism, just it treats it, the automation very much like uh, object-oriented programming. So if I were to build out something, I can build it out in such a way, like if I'm interacting with Chrome, I can build that out or even you know, on base, like we've done with the digital exchange items we have out there. I'm going to go ahead and plug that right now. <laughs> uh, they're on our website and on the Blue Prism Digital Exchange. But with those items, your objects within Blue Prism could be reutilized for a number of different scenarios if they're created in a very general way much like you would a function within C or Python. Very good. And that really enables the scalability and long-term um, total value ownership to, to be on the, the favor of, of our customers. Yeah. And I think part of it too is we really try to push, and this is kind of a, a throwback to the, the on-base side of the house, is uh, Warner really had a vision of making sure that when we as a company, Keymark, implemented an on-base solution that the customer had an on-base expert, one, at their disposal from Keymark that we could help, and then two, on site, that they had somebody trained uh, in on-base to be able to move the product forward and have success. And I know a big part of Blue Prism is that you have the center of excellence as well as the robotic operating model. And we've adopted that as well on the RPA side is that we try to make sure that there are developers and people that are getting trained and certified for the Blue Prism uh, developer certification so that they can run with the product internally and start moving towards that center of excellence and start developing some responsibility for it internally. And we have these um, digital exchange items for the on-base side of the house to make it easier for them if they've got both products to spin up a solution very quickly. Let's let's dig in and talk a little about the solution, uh, the on base and Blue Prism uh, solution a bit. For our audience members who aren't familiar with on base, you want to tell us a little bit about what uh, what that application um, helps businesses do? Sure. I mean, at this point, it's almost easier to tell you what on base doesn't do. <laughs> we can model it to do just about whatever we'd like. At this point, uh, one of the bigger newest components I would say would be the case management, which is almost like a, a database within Blue Prism that you can access and, and implement. I think it really started cutting its teeth back when, especially I noticed in the financial sector with document storage, and then it transitioned and grew OCR workflow and now it's in this um, case management area. So thanks, Chris, for that. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about the four assets that you have on the digital exchange um, that enable our co joint customers to easily deploy on base and Blue Prism? Sure. So we started cutting our teeth with uh, the integration and bringing the two together with a digital exchange item called Workflow Document Handles. 
where that came into play is we, we knew where we wanted to get to with being able to pull down keyword information. So we built that guy out and wrapped it up, put it on digital exchange, and it turned out to be a fairly easy process. So once we were able to get that accomplished, we had these others in the wing. So we went towards our goal of being able to pull down keyword information for documents. So what that would typically look like is if you have an invoice, you may have a customer name, an invoice number, a date, that kind of information. And you may want to pull that information out to be able to provide to a third party system. So we provided a way of utilizing a document handle, which is a document ID for a set invoice, for example. And then you could use utilize the next digital exchange item we put out there to pull down that keyword information. So a few of these kind of actually play on top of one another that makes it easier to interconnect. Uh, not saying that the get keywords is the only item that you could utilize the document handles for, but that's where we were trying to go to in our path. Uh, from there, we wanted to see how far we could take it. Uh, so we recognized that there might be a need to be able to upload files into OnBase, which is a big component of that. So that's another digital exchange item we created uh, to allow Blue Prism to upload files directly into OnBase. And then as a component of the workflow, that OnBase utilizes, we wanted to be able to execute an ad hoc user task from Blue Prism, uh, which is definitely normally a human solution or a human in the middle process where somebody is in the middle of the workflow trying to make a decision about something and they click on a button. And that's what we call an ad hoc user task. And we wanted to automate that step that if certain criteria are met, that the digital worker could go ahead and execute that ad hoc user task without the human being in the loop. That's great, Chris. It sounds like there's some great productivity tools um, out there um, on the digital exchange to give uh, customers a jump start um, on integrating OnBase and, and digital workers. Do you wanna tell us a little bit about some of the value outcomes that your customers are seeing? Now, when you say value outcomes, can you dive into that for me a little bit so I understand what the question is? Um, and maybe this is a good one for you, Sam. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just my way of saying, you know, what they're getting back, what's their return, right? I mean, are they in, are they, what's their key metrics that they're trying to deliver on, right? Are they increasing productivity? Earlier, you dove into some qualitative metrics um, and you said that when y'all were doing discovery, you know, that you pulled out some metrics like reducing complexity, um, improving, you know, uh, workers' uh, employee satisfaction and things like that. So just wanting to kind of give you guys a, an opportunity to talk about the, the outcomes that y'all are delivering for your customers. Yeah, one of the, you know, the, the way that this all started, Zena, was last year, uh, I happened to be at uh, um, Highlands um, Community Conference, uh, where they announced that, uh, you know, Blue Prism was a, uh, a solution that they were looking at very heavily to, uh, to do RPA. With Keymark being a key partner with Highland, they chose at that point to run with that. And, you know, the, what, what Chris has developed and what his team has developed and put out on the digital exchange has allowed those Highland customers now to have those very easy pull-down 
process developers that that allow them to very quickly get up and running with a lot of the things that Chris was talking about, whether it be uploading documents or um, looking for keywords within documents, things along those lines. So it cuts time, but and which and the, and. By doing that, also saves the saves the uh, client money uh, in the fact that a the people that they are paying big salaries to no longer have to spend hours doing this, uh, but also those people can now do the things that they're very good at, and that whether that be uh, dealing with a customer, customer interactions, or even. Um, you know, making other decisions along the way that help their customers out, which again gives them good feedback from their customers. So it's uh, it's just a way to to be have a reusable application within OnBase for uh, for Blue Prism to to ex- exceed what the usual human could do. Excellent. Thank you. I'm I'm really glad that we've been able to partner together to deliver these amazing outcomes. And thank you, gentlemen, so much for being on the program today and sharing what we're doing. Before we close, is there any uh, final final words that you'd like to pass along to our listeners today? Chris, I, I can start. Um, you know, one of the things, Zena, that, that uh, I want to make sure everybody understands is Keymark is a Blue Prism exclusive provider, um, and we we take it very seriously. We we um, go from we can go from building out the processes to supporting you to training you, and then being there after it's up and running to help you uh, improve on what's go what you're doing within RPA. We are. Uh, uh, I guess soup to nuts provider, so that uh, as a as a customer of ours, you do not have to worry about uh, coming up short. Yeah, I would definitely agree with Sam this said there. Excellent, and and Chris, any advice uh, for those out there looking to pull a team together? You know, being um, an, an expert at at running a team, is there any advice that you could give uh, someone as they're thinking about the skill sets that they need, or the types of people that they should be thinking about bringing on board potentially? I think really it comes down to what your goals are. You know, I think that in and of itself says where you need to be putting your skill set is your goal to reduce cost or is your goal to slow down uh, employee hires so that you could have the digital worker performing more tasks that it frees up the time of your uh, current set of employees. Uh, I would start there. I would put a strong emphasis on making sure that everyone's involved from top down, especially IT, IS. Uh, executives that they understand what the goal is and what's happening and everybody starts kind of giving their blessings across the board. Uh, Definitely put an emphasis on your uh, business improvement people or business intelligence, you know, whatever the the buzzword internally for them would be. Uh, They would be kind of the key players in the the get-go and then uh, all the way down to who you'd like to start developing it, which is, you know, again, hopefully key mark. Uh, we're here to help any way we can. Excellent advice. Thanks, Chris. And thank you, Sam. Thank you both for being with us. And listeners, thank you joining. Uh, thank you for joining us this week for Generation Digital Workforce. And we look forward to having you join us for a future episode. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dina. Thanks, guys. 
You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.